continuing in a short series from the, the Sermon on the Mount this morning, I was so encouraged, um, Professor Emmanuel, to hear you talk about the, um, about the Sermon on the Mount, because that's exactly where we are living in, the, in these weeks. And we are just finishing chapter 7 this morning. I'd like you to turn to Matthew 7, verse 24. Matthew 7, 24, for the reading of the gospel. And we don't often do this, but it's a tradition in a lot of churches that when the gospel is read, that we stand together. So if you would feel comfortable doing so this morning, if you're able, I would appreciate if you would stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Matthew 7, 24. And Jesus said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Friends, this is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we pray that you would bless this, your word this morning. We pray to you, Jesus, the word made flesh, that you would bring it near to our hearts this morning, that we would be able to hear a word from you that would make a difference in how we live our lives this week. And we pray it now in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Two and a half weeks ago, we watched in awe as the mason, the builder, and his workers labored in the hot desert sun in Jogale, putting the finishing touches on the walls of a new health clinic in our adopted village. It was, friends, it was stunning to step into this structure that has taken shape since our last visit in January. When we were there for the dedication, there were 8,000, over 8,000 bricks on the desert floor. <clears throat> and now it's, it's this. And it is absolutely amazing to, to see the progress that has happened. A lot has happened between a field of bricks to a building like this. For one thing, well, for one thing, a foundation was poured. This is super important. You can tell, actually, by looking at this picture that that ground <clears throat> is desert sand. If you started building without first creating a kind of rock foundation, the building would not be level and it would also be therefore weak because it wouldn't be level, but also, just as in Jesus' parable that we just heard, the first heavy rainstorm, and there are really heavy rainstorms in this part of the world, the first heavy rainstorm would destroy the building because the water would run under the building and it would just fall down. So, 
this is what we found. And the, uh, the first step, you can't see it now, but the first step was to pour a foundation and really to create a rock on which this building was, is made. In last week's passage from the Sermon on the Mount, we saw that Jesus was giving warnings. We heard a warning about the wide way and then a narrow gate. Jesus is talking about a narrow gate that we must enter into relationship with God. Many people will choose the wide way instead. Bible commentator Dale Bruner refers to the wide way as the immoral, the immoral majority. And then, there he, and then Jesus also gave a warning against false prophets, wolves, in sheep's clothing, disguised as sheep. And finally, he warned us from false disciples of Jesus who do amazing things, <clears throat> but are not really doing what God wants them to do. In each of these, he was warning against those who are in some way doing something that is false. In this text that we heard this morning, He's asking his disciples to become aware that it is possible to have that falseness within ourselves. So these words are much more focused on what is going on inside. Now notice that the two builders, what the two builders here have in common, the builder who builds on the rock and the builder who builds on the sand, they have something in common. They both heard the word of God. The first builder heard the words of Jesus and did do it. The second heard it and did not. So in other words, this story is, a, is about believers. It's not about believers and non-believers. It's about believers it's about those who hear the words of Jesus. There are people like us who are attending a worship service like this one and a church like this one, listening to a sermon like this one. The difference is that some are finding Jesus' words important enough to listen to, but not compelling or, or enough or realistic enough to live them. And others seek to live them out. Of course, the question is this, which one are you? Which one will I be? Am I going to hear the words of Jesus and do them? Or am I going to hear the words of Jesus and say, yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting, but not really a let it affect my life. So we're going to come back to that. There are actually two things I've been pondering about this passage this week that I'd like us to notice this morning. Two things. First is one that's related to a saying that's a favorite of our chief in the village of Jogale. His name is Salu. And I've heard him say this a number of times. He likes to say this. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. He says this all the time. Salu is a wise man who brings joy to our gatherings, but also a good deal of gravitas. He commands respect. 
and he'll come joking and saying different things, but then he'll get kind of serious, and often I've heard him look at the people around him and say, the rain falls on everyone, the good people and the bad people. Rain in Senegal brings uh, both blessing in terms of good crops and, and also it brings destruction when it rains either too much or at the wrong time. The bottom line is that storms will come. They come to everybody. It's a fact of life. Jesus' point here is that your ability to weather life's storms is directly related to your daily attendance to his word. In the little things and in the big things of life, asking what does Jesus' teaching say about this thing that I'm experiencing right now? Asking the courageous questions such as, am I seeking to be non-judgmental? This is what Pastor Dan was talking to us about three weeks ago. Asking questions, questions such as, am I daring to love my enemies? This is hard. Am I asking God for the miracle of forgiveness when someone hurts me? It's a miracle when that happens because people just don't do that. Am I making sure that my public service and my public worship of God is in line with who I really am inside? These are all difficult things. Living the words of the Sermon on the Mount is tough. None of which we do perfectly. But is it our goal to live this way? If it is, and here's the point, if it is our goal, and if we're seeking to do it, we are much more likely to still be on our feet when life happens. When things fall apart, when the storm comes. I have been living among this people for over two decades, this people, Mountain View Church. And as I look around this room, I not only see your faces, but I see the experiences that many of you have had over these years. And I think, of, I think of you who have gone through really tough times. I know the storms that you've been through. These are, these, there are some of you I would describe as having indomitable spirits. I've heard you say things like, if it wasn't for Jesus, I don't know how I'd make it. I've heard you say things like, it's going to be okay because I know that God is doing something. 
You amaze me. <laughs> you do. I think of Katie here sitting in the front row who just had knee surgery and how many times she has said, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do next. It's been a tough road. You know, it's no fun to have, to have a, a recall when, it ha when it's on your car, you know, when they recall a part that something's breaking, they have to take it in. It's even worse when that's in your knee, which is what happened to Katie. And yet, she's like, I can't wait to see what God's going to do with this. I think, of, I think of Shirley back here, well into her 90s. And all the things that Shirley has gone through, you will never find anybody who's more positive and has an indomitable spirit than Shirley Burton. And, you know, I think of the Gebhards and the things that you guys are going through and how you're here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and that you are seeking God and asking for prayer requests. And I think of, I think of Pam who so I don't think is here this morning, who's going through chemo, I mean, going through more radiation treatment um, for, her, for her brain tumor. Think of Gretchen and the things Gretchen has been through, and here you are. These are people I would describe as having indomitable spirits, but there's something behind that. There's something more to that because they are seeking to live the way Jesus wants them to. And that's the key. I'm convinced that the secret is seeking to live by the words of Jesus. As one Bible commentator puts it, obedience to Jesus is not so much a protection from troubles as it is protection in them. Just as a rock or a foundation doesn't shield from the storm, it supports during the storm. This is how it works. This is wisdom. Jesus' word for wise here, phronimos, has the meaning of practical or sensible wisdom. And his word for foolish, moros, connotes unreflecting deeds or the inability to make correct decisions. This is practical stuff. Following the words of Jesus is the key to making it through. So the one who is wise makes good decisions, the kind that are like preventative maintenance. Decisions that won't eventually turn into regrets later. So that's the first thing I've been noticing. The second thing here is something I got from reading N.T. Wright this week. Uh, N.T. Wright is a master of discovering what it would be like what it would have been like to be one of Jesus' original hearers. You know, they're sitting on the mountainside and they're listening to Jesus speak. What would be going through their minds, N.T. Wright would say. He points out that those gathered that day near the shores of the Galilee would have immediately thought of something when Jesus started talking about building. Just as I thought about the building, the clinic, they would have pictured another building in Jerusalem that Herod's men were continuing to rebuild. What is that building? The temple. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus correctly prophesies that this temple, even though touted as rock solid, you know, it's built on the rock, that this temple would come crashing down. This is on Jesus' mind. 
In Matthew 16, when Peter makes his statement of faith, this prompts Jesus to say that his church will be built on the rock of this kind of faith. This, says N.T. Wright, this is the bigger picture of what Jesus is saying here. There is a kind of house or a temple that seems permanent but will not last. And there is a house that will last forever. And here's the message here. Those who construct their lives around Jesus' word will be part of something that will last forever. The house that lasts forever. This is what I want. My own personal perspective on this is shaped in the last few weeks by the experience of losing a sibling. My brother Clark, who died of brain cancer about a month ago, this, this has brought me in, into closer contact with my own mortality, I think. Losing a sibling tends to do that. I found that losing a brother can make me more aware of that I have a limited time on this earth. And I've been thinking about this. Here's what I've concluded. For however long God keeps me here, I want to be engaged in something important that will last, something permanent. Dustin actually introduced this, this topic this morning when he was, said he was challenged to give his life to something that would last, something permanent. There's a lot that we experience that is just going to pass. There's really only one who does what's permanent, and his name is Jesus. Friends, he is alive and working today. And what he's doing is permanent. It has eternal consequences. It's a house that will last. The way to be involved with him is, is plainly put, to do what he teaches. So here it is. Matthew Chapters 5, 6, and 7. That's so easy to remember. Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Here it is. It's a great place to find what Jesus teaches. I've been encouraging you, Pastor Dan has been encouraging you to read these verses. You can do it in one sitting. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then seek to live it. It won't be easy. But seek to live your life the way that Jesus outlines in his Sermon on the Mount. And you will be part of something that lasts. And you will be able to make it through. Okay? Ready? Go. <laughs> Let's pray. Oh God, I thank you for the summertime. I thank you for these days that we maybe have a little extra time to reflect on what you're teaching us. <clears throat> oh God, I pray that you would help us to slow down long enough to listen to what Jesus is teaching us. The importance of coming to you in prayer. 
the importance of making sure that as we worship you, we're not doing it for others and how we look, but that we're doing it because of how we really feel and how what our relationship really is with you, Father. That we take a look, a hard look at our relationships with our family, with our spouse, with our kids, our parents, our coworkers, and we make sure that we are are living those relationships the way that you have taught us, Jesus. Help us not to be people who hold, hold grudges, allow resentment to enter in. Help us, Lord, to live as people who are not judgmental. Help us, Lord, to be listening to your word. And not only that, having the courage to do it. Bring our offering to you now this morning, Lord, grateful for the way that you have provided all our needs. For we pray in the name of Jesus, amen.